Listening Library presents Finn and the Time-Traveling Pajamas by Michael Buckley Read for you by Oliver Wyman Chapter 1 Cold Spring, New York, 60 Years in the Future Finn watched his friend Lincoln reach into the bag of goodies. That was what they called the collection of technologies they'd stolen from the future. Finn had lost track of what was inside it long ago. All he knew was that when Lincoln took something out of the bag, a huge explosion usually followed. This time he found a shiny silver ball covered in colored lights. It looked a lot like a Christmas ornament, only with a glass screen and a big red button on the side. All right, let's go over the plan one more time, Lincoln said. This is a mini black hole emitter, compliments of the fine people of the 30th century. Now, before you push the button, there was a beep, and a red number 10 glowed in the window. Then it became a nine, then an eight. Did you push the button, Foley? Lincoln asked. I did, Finn admitted. I couldn't help myself. There was a button, and it was red. The window glowed with a number five. Did I tell you to push the button? Lincoln yelled. No. Uh, throw it, now! Finn hefted the silver sphere as far as his old wrinkled arm would allow. It arched into the sky, down the street, and toward a raging fire. Inside the flames stood a monster, roaring and tossing cars aside with its bare hands. It called itself Paradox, and today Finn and Lincoln were going to kill it. At least, that was the plan. What are you looking at, old man? Run! Lincoln shouted, and they took off at a sprint in the opposite direction. They weren't kids anymore. Both Finn and Lincoln were over 70 years old now, and the past 60 of them had mostly been filled with fighting, running, and explosions. All of it had taken its toll on their bodies. Finn's hips screamed in protest with every step, the rusty hinge on Lincoln's mechanical leg kept seizing and slowing him down, too. Still, they ran. The sphere hit the ground with a massive boom. A shockwave followed and knocked the men off their feet. As they tried to stand, Finn saw a swirling black void open where the sphere had landed. From it came an intense gravitational pull that sucked in everything that wasn't nailed down. Lumber, porcelain tiles, busted appliances, old bicycles, trees, houses, everything was devoured by the hungry black emptiness. With the wind screaming in their ears, Finn and Lincoln dove behind an abandoned pickup truck, hoping it was heavy enough to avoid the pull. For a few moments, it seemed as if they had made the right decision but then the truck jerked forward, caught in the black hole's grip. Inch by inch, it slid down the street. The men found themselves dragged toward oblivion. I don't suppose that thing has an off button, Finn shouted over the chaos. No, it doesn't. If we get crushed to death inside a black hole, I will never forgive you, Lincoln cried. 
the pickup's front bumper kissed the surface of the void, and in a flash, the whole truck was gone. With nothing between them and certain death, Finn and Lincoln clawed at the bricks in the cobblestone street, fighting for their lives with only the strength in their fingertips. When it felt like they couldn't hold on any longer, the hungry void suddenly collapsed in on itself and disappeared. A calm came to the world around them. We're getting too old for this, derp, Lincoln grumbled. I haven't heard you call me that in a while, Finn said. Do you miss it? Not so much, Finn replied. Though he was glad his friends still had a sense of humor, despite their situation, the truth was they weren't getting too old. They were way past too old. He and Lincoln were both tired and gray. They should have been retired and living out their golden years on a beach in Florida. But here they were, still trying to save the world. Do you think it worked? Lincoln said as he fiddled with his hinge. Do you see ugly anywhere? Finn scanned the neighborhood for the monster, his eyes burning from the smoke and heat. There was no sign of paradox anywhere. Could he trust what he was seeing? Had they actually managed to kill Paradox? Is that cannon thing ready? He asked. Just in case it survived. Lincoln shrugged. I think so. What do you mean you think so? Well, it was in perfect working condition until you dropped it. Are you seriously still mad about that? Future people were firing laser guns at us, Finn cried. Future people don't like it when you steal their stuff, Lincoln grumbled. Rustling in the debris brought the argument to a stop. Without another word, Lincoln reached into his bag and took out a long silver weapon. He placed it in Finn's hands. Put an end to this, Foley, Lincoln said. If you kill it, everything can go back to the way it was supposed to be. No more running, no more scavenging for food, and no more magic jammies. Finn looked down at himself. He was wearing a pair of pajamas decorated with cowboys swinging lassos and tumbleweeds. Some wore ten-gallon hats, others sheriff's badges, and all of them shared the same dopey smile. The pajamas were the only clothing he had worn in 60 years, and not a day had passed when he hadn't wished he could take them off. We'll get her back too, Lincoln continued. Julep. Her face flashed in his memory. Despite all the years that had passed, losing Julep still hurt as badly as it had the day she died. He tried not to think of her anymore, but some nights she crept into his dreams, pushing her glasses up on her nose and carrying around her backpack full of weird books. She'd say something in her thick southern accent, and the voice sounded so real he'd wake up wondering if somehow she had come back to them. Killing Paradox might bring her back to them for real. He hefted the cannon onto his shoulder and pressed his thumb against the firing button. An explosion in the debris sent nails and glass and shingles flying in every direction. From the smoke rose a crackling ball of flames.
It hovered in the sky over the men, staring down at them like a bloodshot eye. And inside it was the black outline of paradox. Finn Foley, its voice sounded like a terrible accident, a rock slide crashing down on a busy highway. But it wasn't nearly as horrible as its owner. When the flames went out and the ball vanished, Paradox dropped to the ground, landing as nimbly as a cat. Finn fought back a scream. Paradox never failed to chill his blood. Its body was grotesque, stringy and long, covered in a hard black shell that cracked and splintered whenever it moved. The face was flat and featureless. No eyes, no nose, no mouth. Long, spiky hair stuck straight up from its head, each tip sparking with blue electricity. I am Paradox. I am the fixer, the reshaper of time and space. I am inevitable, and I have much work to do. But you deny me my destiny. For sixty years you have kept your secret, and for sixty years I have made you suffer. Why waste what little time you have left on this pointless fight? My destiny is to break this world in half and rebuild it into something better. He must be by my side. He must see that his efforts to destroy me were in vain. Tell me where he is. Not this again, Lincoln said. Yeah, we've heard this speech like a million times. I am Paradox. I'm the big bad. I will destroy everything and rebuild it in my glorious vision. Blah, 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 Finn said. You mock me. Yes, consider yourself mocked, Finn said. He aimed the cannon at Paradox. More of your silly toys, Paradox said. You should know by now that you cannot kill me. Then it shouldn't bother you if we try. Finn pressed the firing button, and a loud whirring filled the air. It was followed by a blast of heat and light and noise that slammed into the monster's chest. For the first time in sixty years, Paradox let loose a howl. The black armor that wrapped around its body was stripped away strand by strand and the monster fell to its knees. You're hurting it! Don't stop! Lincoln shouted. There's no chance of that, old friend! Finn cried. And then, without warning, the engine inside the cannon let out a pop, followed by a whiff of smoke, and died. Don't say it, Lincoln! Finn cried. He pounded on the side of the cannon, hoping to get it working again, but nothing helped. Don't say what? You mean don't say anything about how you dropped a super weapon from the year 2617 that was the first thing we've used that actually hurt the monster we've been trying to kill for 60 years? Is that what I'm not supposed to say? Paradox crawled to its feet, and in a sudden burst of speed, the creature snatched Finn's wrist, causing him to drop the cannon. The monster's grasp was superhuman, 
and the pain was unbearable. In the old days, Finn might have been able to pull himself free, but time had made him slow and weak. Lincoln charged forward and threw his best right hook. The creature ducked, and the punch never landed. With its free hand, Paradox wrapped its fingers around Lincoln's neck and squeezed. You are forcing me to do something I would rather not do. I'm going to give you one more chance, Finn Foley. Tell me where he is, it said. Kill me if you want, ugly. I'm never going to tell you. I have no intention of killing you, Mr. Foley, Paradox said. A crackle of electricity swam down its arm into its fingertips and then into Lincoln. The old man's body jerked. He let out a cry and then flew backward. Lincoln crashed against a fence and didn't move again. No! Finn bellowed. Oh, look at your face. Look at the anger. You have wasted your whole life. Everyone you have ever cared about is gone. You must think you have nothing left to lose now. But you're wrong. We were just getting started. I will go back to every happy moment of your life and demolish it. I will kill every person you ever knew, then go back and make sure I can kill them all over again. Time doesn't have me on a leash, Finn Foley. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. Tell me where he is. Where is your father? Where is Asher Foley? Finn fell to his knees, defeated and broken. Paradox was right. He had failed. He looked down at his shaking, wrinkled hands. Why was he still fighting? Maybe the monster was right? Maybe now was the time to bring it all to an end. If he told Paradox the truth, the pain would finally stop. This is over, Finn Foley. Paradox continued. You were never going to win. You can't stop destiny. Put away your cowboy pajamas. You put up a good fight. Your dad would be proud. Now tell me where he is. Wait. Cowboy pajamas? This is far from over, ugly, Finn said, then closed his eyes. Please, he silently begged, not to paradox, but to time itself. After decades jumping through it, he'd come to believe it listened to him. Sometimes it seemed to make things easy. Other times, it could be fickle. Now he needed to go someplace outside of time and space. He needed to go to a place he'd promised he'd never visit again. Are you listening? Pajamas, take me to the ranch, he shouted. He braced for rejection, but then his hair stood on end. He felt the familiar sparks in his fingertips 
and watched the big golden bubble surround him in its protective shield. Thank you, he cried. No! Paradox pounded on the bubble's skin, but its attack did no harm. I'll see you very soon, Finn promised, and then the bubble sank into the ground. There was a flash of light, and he found himself in a tube of neon energy. He realized what he was doing was crazy. Going to the ranch was maybe the worst idea he'd ever had. But there, he would find the one person in the universe who could help him stop the monster for good and save everyone he had ever loved. Himself. Chapter 2 Cold Spring, New York, Present Day Finn Foley lay in his backyard admiring the creamy blue sky. The sun was bright and warm, but a breeze coming off Bear Mountain made everything nice and comfy. Honeybees buzzed in the flower bed near the back door, and somewhere a happy dog was barking. Lincoln Sedana and Julep Lee, his two best friends, were lying in the grass next to him. It was as perfect a summer day as the world had ever seen. I'm dying of boredom, Lincoln groaned. I can't take it anymore, Finn said. Saving the world ruined us, Julep complained. It was true. Six months ago, Finn and his friends had defeated an alien invasion. In the process, they'd visited strange planets and hung out with a glitchy robot and a lady with too many eyeballs. Now the world was safe. Everything that used to excite them was now flat and dull. Video games seemed painfully slow. Exploring the woods was tedious. Even their weekly cannonball competitions in Lincoln's pool couldn't hold back the yawns. Let's do something, Finn said, before I go insane. I've got an idea. Julep sat up and opened her backpack. She pulled out her collection of books on unusual topics, everything from fighting off evil curses to the Loch Ness Monster. Julep carried them everywhere she went. The boys shared a knowing look. Julep's ideas usually involved traipsing through the woods, searching for missing links and vampires, and risking Lyme disease. Finn humored her research, mainly because, well, he didn't want to call it a crush, exactly. It was more a feeling of being happy and barfy at the same time. All he would admit to himself was that he liked having her around. Hard pass if it involves Bigfoot, Lincoln muttered. Come on, Julep said. I can't spend another minute in the woods looking for something that doesn't exist. I just got over the worst case of poison ivy my doctor has ever seen, Lincoln explained. Julep turned to Finn for support. He cringed. Maybe we could do something that doesn't turn us into lunch for a million hungry mosquitoes, he said. Julep scrunched up her face and shoved her books back in her pack. You guys suck, 
There are tons of documented sightings of Bigfoot in the Hudson Valley. She is in those hills waiting to be discovered. She? I thought Bigfoot was a dude, Lincoln said. You would, she huffed. You'll regret it when some other kid gets the first picture of her. Even if you find Lady Bigfoot, the man in the sunglasses will take your phone, just like the last time, Lincoln said. Julep growled. After the kids had stopped the plague from conquering the world, men from a secret government agency combed every inch of Finn's neighborhood, confiscating everything alien, including all the pictures on Julep's phone. Her trip to the planet Nemeth, Highbeam and his 25 robot kids, even Dax Dargon and her blue skin were now just memories. The spaceship in the sky was explained away as a big-budget science fiction movie shoot. Everyone in the neighborhood was told to keep their mouth shut about what really happened, or they would disappear just like Julep's pictures. Finn sympathized with her. Julep was passionate about uncovering the truth. She believed in things most people didn't. And because of that, kids at school avoided her. For a brief moment, she'd had proof that she wasn't a weirdo. Now all she had of their amazing experiences was a bunch of stories she wasn't allowed to tell. Without warning, a bright and dazzling light appeared. It was like a second sun had decided to rise in Finn's backyard. It spun like a top in midair, a perfect circle with flames for edges. Then, whoosh, from the center, stepped one of the strangest creatures Finn had ever seen. He was tall and lean, with skin the color of a shiny penny. But that was where the easy descriptions ended. First, he didn't have a nose, but sported a long gray mustache that hung like a pair of upside-down handlebars on a bike. Steel bands were implanted on either side of his skull, and they crackled with blue sparks. But by far the weirdest thing was his clothes. He looked like he had stepped out of an old cowboy movie. Jeans, leather chaps, boots with spurs, a red handkerchief tied around his neck, and a tall, white, ten-gallon hat. A silver star was pinned to his chest, engraved with an hourglass, and he twirled a lasso that seemed to be generating the portal. When the rope stopped spinning, the doorway disappeared. He stuck a long finger in his mouth, then raised it into the air and caught the breeze. Right year, right backyard. All right, y'all come with me, he said. Um, no, Lincoln said. The strange cowboy squinted at the kids. My name is Zeke. I work for the Time Rangers, he said. Good for you, Finn said. Zeke sighed impatiently. The Time Rangers who protect the past, present, and future? Julep immediately reached for her phone and snapped a picture of him. You ain't heard of us, he continued. No offense, but... We've met a lot of aliens. The excitement has kind of worn off, Finn said.
So what exactly do you want? You have to meet with the other rangers. They want to talk to you pronto. Um, yeah. We're gonna pass. You know, the whole stranger danger thing, Lincoln said. Spark shot out of the implants on Zeke's temples. He didn't tell you anything about us? The cowboy asked Finn. Who? Your dad, Zeke said. Asher Foley. Finn felt like he had been smacked in the back of the head. What did you say? You know my dad? He asked. Yes. Now you come on. Time's a-wasting, Zeke said. He twirled his lasso faster and faster until the rope caught fire and a new shimmering portal appeared inside it. He really thinks we're going with him, doesn't he? Julep asked. Go back to your space rodeo, Lincoln said, before we call the cops. What do you know about my dad? Finn asked. Come with me and I will tell you everything, Zeke replied. Finn got to his feet. Really? You're gonna run off with an alien because he says he knows your dad? Lincoln asked. Fine, go. I'll tell your mom you were a moron. I think she knows already. I have to know, Finn said. Finn, Lincoln is right, Julep said. You can't go alone. Enough yammering, Zeke said. And with a flick of his wrist, the lasso twirled over the kids. There was a blinding light, but Finn didn't need his eyes to know he wasn't in his backyard anymore. The cool and quiet breeze was replaced by sweltering heat and the sounds of sawing and hammering and... Wait, was that a cow mooing? When his eyes finally adjusted, he found they were standing in a wide grassy field bordered by a split rail fence. A rustic ranch house with a porch stood a few yards away, a chimney rising from the roof. A two-story barn painted bright red sat next to it. Horses and goats milled in and out of its wide-open doors, and chickens ran freely around the property. An angry rooster squawked at a lazy goat that munched on grass it pulled from the ground with its teeth. It was like a country song come to life, except for the collection of weirdos rushing around, fixing things, patching the ranch's roof, and painting the barn. Like Zeke, they wore cowboy outfits, but otherwise, none of them resembled him, and they weren't any more human than he was. One had a television set for a head, another looked like a walking beanbag. There was one who resembled a peacock with human legs, and still another that looked like a huge yellow raincoat come to life. Working on the barn was a cyclops that stood nearly 15 feet tall. Welcome to the ranch, Zeke said. And that is what exactly? Julep said as she took more pictures with her phone. Think of it as the heart of the space-time continuum. All of time moves through this stretch of land, though it don't usually look this bad. We had a time twister spin through here a few days back. Tore the place up something good. For a little while, you couldn't tell yesterday from tomorrow, or today from next year. But we're slowly making repairs. Little good it's gonna do us, 
Looks like another storm is headed our way, the beanbag groused with a nod to the sky. Finn turned his eyes to the east. Black clouds were gathering there. The rangers are set to do something about that today, Gus, Zeke promised. The beanbag harumphed and went back to work. That lasso brought us here? Julep asked. How does it work? Trade secret, young lady, Zeke said. Finn could almost see the questions piling up inside Julep's head, but before she could ask another, someone shouted a warning. Two green blobs with faces pushed a wheelbarrow full of bricks directly into their path, and the group was forced to jump out of the way or get run over. Sorry, the blobs called in unison. Come on, the others are waiting. Zeke led the children onto the porch of the ranch house. He kicked a post to get the dust off his boots, causing his spurs to jingle. Then he spit something brown into the dirt. As he reached for the door, a strange lady charged through. Her body was like an enormous carrot with orange skin and a stalk of green hair to match. Her faded dress stopped at her ankles, and she wore an apron wrapped tightly around her waist. She carried a steel pot under her arm. Morning, Zeke, she said. Morning, Cookie. Are these the kids? Yes, ma'am, Zeke said. Keep them out of my kitchen, the woman demanded. They caused enough of a ruckus around here. Will do, Cookie. The carrot lady gave the kids a disgusted look, then waddled toward the barn with her pot. What was that about? Finn said. What ruckus have we caused? Again, Zeke ignored their questions and hurried everyone inside the house. There they found a room with wide plank floors filled with worn antique furniture. A player piano rested against a wall, tinkling out an old song. A rifle hung above the fireplace mantel, and a couple of oil lamps bathed everything in a flickering golden glow. Bizarre animal heads were mounted on the walls. One looked like a cross between a panda and a wild boar. Another was an overgrown duck, but instead of feathers, it had thick, matted fur in strange colors. At the far end of the room was a set of double doors with shining brass handles. A plaque was mounted on each with the same hourglass design as the one on Zeke's badge. Now listen up, Zeke said. Miss Ellie has no patience for shenanigans. If you're smart, you will keep the lip flapping to a minimum. Best let me do the talking. Who is Miss Ellie? Lincoln asked. And what does this have to do with my dad? Finn demanded. Zeke waved them off and pushed the trio through the doors. One step inside, and every question they had was replaced with a new one. The room beyond baffled their brains. To begin with, the word room didn't seem like the right way to describe the space. It was round, and instead of walls and a ceiling, there was a dense, ghostly smoke. Floating inside it were little movies, moments of people's lives from all over the world. 
They were framed by flames, and each burned to ash and fell to the floor after only a few moments. Once they were gone, more appeared to take their place. Finn was mesmerized as he watched the people in the movies talk and work and live their lives, all seemingly unaware they were being watched. An old woman and a little girl made cookies from scratch. A man stood on a dock and wept after throwing a bouquet of flowers into the water. Two kids ran through a forest, laughing and holding hands. A woman got down on one knee and proposed to her girlfriend. A pretty blonde lady whispered, I love you, to the sleeping man beside her. Each moment was deeply personal, and though Finn felt guilty for spying, he couldn't look away. What is this? Julep asked. We call it the campfire, Zeke explained. There are a zillion stories inside it that need to stay on track. We watch them to make sure they do. So you spy on people? Creepy, Lincoln said. It ain't spying, Zeke snapped. There are some ornery cusses in this universe. I'm talking about chrono rustlers and hour smugglers and eon bandits. If we don't keep an eye out for them, they'll make a mess of things. That guy washing his car is dangerous? Julep asked, pointing to one of the movies just as it turned to ash. Of course not. Normally, the campfire would focus on the real troublemakers. But the twister made a mess of things, and it hasn't worked right since. For now, it's all Earth all the time, which is not ideal. Most of the criminals are on the more advanced worlds. In fact, you three are one of the first humans to ever give us a headache. Us? Lincoln said. The double doors opened again, and eleven unusual creatures stepped into the room. Each was dressed like Zeke, with boots and hats and bandanas, but none of them looked like the strange copper man. There was a creature with a groundhog's head, a boxy robot with dangly arms, a dark-skinned woman with bleached white hair who wore two glowing revolvers strapped to her waist, something that looked like a walking egg, a wolf as large as a rhino, a translucent blob that left a trail of slime behind it, and a handful of other beings just as unique. Each took off their hat, kicked dust off their boots, and sat down in one of the massive chairs. This is nuts, Lincoln laughed. There's a giant egg over there wearing a bandana. Show some respect, Zeke scolded. Her name is Pearl, and like all Time Rangers, she was chosen to defend the Continuum. Ours is a sacred duty and an honor. I hope I didn't insult her, Lincoln snarked. I wouldn't want her to get scrambled. Or is she more the hard-boiled type? If she wants to fight, I'm getting the shell out of here. Finn and Julep couldn't help but laugh. Zeke pressed his hands against the steel bands on his temples. It seemed to calm him. Shh, Miss Ellie's about to speak. Miss Ellie's chaps were made from reptile skins and teeth. Her long, snow-white hair was tied into a braid that hung to her feet. 
her revolvers pulsated as if mimicking the rhythm of her heartbeat. Attention, Time Rangers, she said, and everyone grew quiet. Zeke has gone to Earth and retrieved Finn Foley, Lincoln Sedona, and Julep Lee. They are ready to defend themselves. Zeke, are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Very good, Miss Ellie said. Buford, let's get started. The clunky robot got up from his seat and stood in the center of the room. His body looked like a collection of ancient electronics someone had set out on the curb on trash day. Every time he moved, he produced a honk, a crash, or a grinding sound. He cleared his throat, and his eyes projected a holographic document for everyone to see. I will read the accusations. These children... Accusations, Julep repeated, her voice rising. What is this? Finn demanded. The cowboy pulled the children into a huddle. This is a trial. I'm going to do my best to get you out of trouble. But if you keep interrupting, Miss Ellie will lose her patience. And you really, really don't want that to happen. Now, please, let me do my job. Zeke turned back to the Time Rangers. Sorry for the interruption. As I was saying, these children are accused of crimes against time, including the creation of a Class Three time twister, damage to the ranch, altering history and the future, theft of advanced technologies, possession of an unauthorized time machine, creation of a new life form. Do you understand what he's saying? Finn whispered to Julep. She shook her head and splintering a timeline. Thank you, Buford. You may argue your case, Miss Ellie said. Her face grew dark and angry, while her revolvers glowed white hot. But let no one be mistaken. Children or not, if they are found guilty, the punishment will be severe. Chapter 3 Finn didn't understand much of what Miss Ellie said, but he knew what she meant. They were in big trouble. This trip was not about his father at all. Zeke lured them to this stupid trial with lies. The betrayal left a bitter taste in his mouth, but he held his tongue, wondering where all this might go. The children plead not guilty, Zeke said to a chorus of boos. Is anyone surprised? The groundhog man barked. Zeke never allows his clients to plead guilty. Silence, Miss Ellie shouted. Her voice was like thunder. The crowd stopped their complaining. A few looked shaken by her anger. My clients cannot confess to crimes they haven't committed, Zeke shouted. What is it you think we did? Lincoln demanded. You went back in time and changed the future, Buford said. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know a lot about time travel, and if we'd done that, I would be the first to know, Julep cried. Then I'll show you, Buford said. Finn watched the robot tap his silver star, and one of the movies floated out of the smoke. In it, he saw Lincoln, Julep, 
and himself sitting in his backyard. A bright pink unicorn lunchbox was resting in the grass next to them. Six months ago, you came into possession of an alien technology that opened wormholes to other worlds. It drew the attention of a race of intelligent insects known as the plague. With an invasion looming over your planet, you used the machine to find your long-lost father so that you could say goodbye. But Asher Foley was not in your timeline. He was in the past. So the wormhole machine broke through the time barrier and took you and your friends to his last known appearance. August 16th, 2018. Finn remembered that day in his backyard very well, and he remembered the wormhole. It hadn't been like any of the whirlpools before it. This one locked him inside a shimmering golden bubble and delivered him to the backyard of his old house in Garrison, New York, the one he'd lived in before his dad walked out on the family. So it's true? Lincoln asked. We went back in time? Yes, it's true, Zeke said, then turned to the others. We ain't arguing that it happened. We're saying it was an accident. Look at him. These kids aren't smart enough to know what they did. They're basically morons. Hey. Julep frowned. An accident, he says. Buford shook his metal fist in the air. When you nearly break every rule of time travel, it's hardly an accident. There are rules of time travel? Julep asked. The Time Rangers stood, and in unison, they recited the rules. Rule number one, don't time travel. Rule number two, if you do time travel, don't change anything about the past or the future. Rule number three, avoid encounters with versions of yourself and never, ever, ever make physical contact with them. These delinquents broke all three, Buford roared. They time-traveled, they changed the past and the future, and Finn had a face-to-face -face conversation with a future version of himself. If they had accidentally touched one another, all of existence would have unraveled. Bingo, bango, kaput! Zeke sighed and tapped his silver star. The first movie burned away, and a new one floated over to take its place. In it, a scruffy old man wore a pair of pajamas. Hey, that's the guy we saw wandering around in my backyard, Finn said, recalling the cranky stranger they'd met when he and his friends had supposedly gone back in time. That's not some old dude, Finn Foley. That's you. Sixty years in the future, Zeke explained. Me? Finn cried. When he studied the old man's face, he gasped. Zeke wasn't lying. It really was him. He had the same eyes, the same ears. He even had the same grin. But how was it possible? Time travel was the stuff of movies and comic books, not real life. Yes, you, said Miss Ellie. And you're easily the most dangerous criminal we've ever come up against. Except maybe Paradox. I don't get it. How does talking to an older version of himself wreck the future? Julep asked. 
The old man gave you the secret to kicking the tar out of the plague, the robot explained. Huh? Finn said. Unicorns, Finn. Your sister wanted you to ask the unicorns for help. In the original timeline, you told her she was being silly. But in the new timeline, old Finn encouraged you to listen to her ideas. It saved Earth, which was not supposed to happen. Personally, I think we can all agree the change was for the better, Zeke said. It is not our decision to make, Zeke, Miss Ellie said. Time Rangers do not pick winners and losers. We do not interfere with history's path. It is a violation of the vow you made when you joined us. Finn's decision to recruit the unicorns rewrote everything, which is why the ranch was nearly destroyed by time twisters and the campfire is all but useless to us. It's also why we now have two Finn Foley's wreaking havoc everywhere they go. The old man's advice did more than change the future. It splintered the timeline, Buford said. Julep stepped forward and raised her hand as if she were in a classroom. It seems to me there is an easy way to fix this, she said. Just tell us all the things old man Finn has done, and together we'll make sure our Finn doesn't do them. Unfortunately, that's no longer an option. Zeke tapped his silver star. The new movie that appeared contained nothing but a horizontal line moving across the screen to the right. This line represents Finn's lifetime. It's supposed to move forward and never change, unless... Suddenly, the line forked and became two lines running parallel to one another. He had a face-to-face -face mating with his future. When that happens, it's kind of like giving time a punch in the belly. It can't make sense of two fins, so to make things right, it breaks them apart, turning them into completely separate people. Now nothing you do will affect old man Finn. Your choices will make no impact on his life at all. Even if you died, the old version of you would continue to live. It's called a splinter. And it's darn near impossible to fix. If you ask me, the old man did it on purpose so we couldn't use the boy to fix his mess, Buford shouted. I'm sure he thinks they're pretty funny. The man is a menace. Just look at him. Buford pressed the silver star on his chest. All the movies turned to ash, and a new one appeared. Unlike the others, this wasn't a memory or a charge to explain time splinters. It was a collection of moments. Finn and his friends shooting laser guns, jumping through fires, stealing flying motorcycles, and popping up in different locations, all while fighting a hideous, pitch-black monster. But all the chaos and stealing and nonsense are not nearly the biggest problem. It's paradox. The monster is the worst thing we've ever faced. It's determined to destroy time itself. Old man Finn and his friends created it. That was an accident, Zeke shouted. Maybe so. But who's to say this Finn, the younger one, won't accidentally create another? We can't take that risk, the robot cried. With a little supervision, I know I can keep that from happening. I've already taken steps to prevent more trouble. I followed them to the past and sabotaged their wormhole device so that it self-destructed. Hey, that nearly killed me, Finn shouted. 
they no longer have the ability to alter history and pose no further threat to the continuum. The right thing to do is cut them loose and send them home. I believe we have heard enough. It is time to vote, Miss Ellie said. Wait, there's one more thing. Finn is Asher Foley's son, Zeke said. The Time Rangers went quiet. Finn could see they were conflicted. It was obvious they knew his dad. But how? And why? Asher should have taught his son the rules, Miss Ellie said. Buford, what do you think is the appropriate punishment for Finn and his friends? I recommend they be sent to the barn, Buford said. The barn? Buford, that's outrageous, Zeke said hotly. Miss Ellie locked her cold eyes on Finn as if she were searching for something good inside him. Zeke argues that Finn Foley, Julep Lee, and Lincoln Sedana pose no threat to the continuum and therefore should be returned to their timelines unpunished. If you agree, raise your hand or the closest thing you have to one. Aside from himself, Lincoln, and Julep, the only one who raised a hand was Zeke. The vote enraged the copper alien, and the steel implants on his head sparked with angry electricity. Shame on all of you, he shouted at the others. The verdict is decided, Miss Ellie said. Finn Foley and his friends are guilty of crimes against time. Take them to the barn.